This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Drilled to center field and deep. Back out of his seat. To the track. To the wall. It's gone! Kevin Longoria with a two-run home run to straightaway center. And he gives the Rays a 6-4 lead here in the ninth. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everybody. Good afternoon. Welcome to our show. It's our first Saturday program of the season. This week, you're going to hear from Chad Matola, the race new hitting coach. We'll chat with Doug Wechter of Fox Sports Sun on that announcement and more. We'll also hear from all Rays affiliates who are part of the playoffs this year. We'll visit with a couple of September call-ups, including Justin Marks, about getting his first lengthy run in the majors. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. The big story this week was Chad Matola replacing Derek Shelton as the Rays hitting coach. Now, Chad has spent the past three years with the Rays as a hitting coordinator at the minor league level. And I asked Chad about his new role, and he said he'll work a lot directly with players he has a relationship with already. And for others, he'll be watching and observing. And then dive in at the right time. Coaching's all timing, and that's what I, I want to make sure I have the right feel for. Chad Matola with us on This Week in Rays Baseball. Chad, tell me, having gone through both roles, being a coordinator for the last three years and doing the day-to-day as well, what's the biggest difference in terms of the role going from one to the other and the biggest adjustment? You can kind of get deeper than the top layer. As a coordinator, you're in there about once a month for four to five days. And you're kind of repeating yourself to make sure they're doing the basic things. But as the day-to-day role gets deeper in each fundamental, you get to get some more feedback and uh, get the conversations going a lot longer. How about the difference between minors and majors? Because you've done both of those roles as well. What's the biggest adjustment for you working with hitters at the big league level from doing it at, let's say, the minor league level? Um, it's the same guys, but the microscope's a lot, a lot bigger. You're under a lot more scrutiny. You're under a lot more daily pressure, at bat to at bat pressure, and that's the difference of the minor leagues and major leagues. It's the same guy, but it's how they deal with that pressure. And personally, you were in a similar role with the Toronto Blue Jays in 2013, working then with Dwayne Murphy. So, what have you learned since that point, and how do you think you've grown as a coach since that time? That year I actually was the main guy. Dwayne Murphy was the first base coach. So there was a lot of good hitters there. I got to learn from them, and a lot of those hitters I actually played with. So I got to see the things that they kind of developed along the years. I just didn't see them at the major leagues. And that's been a benefit for me, and same thing as all the years playing in different organizations. There's been so many different ways of doing it that I've witnessed and different personalities, the way to reach them, and that's benefited me. And in the time that you've spent with the Rays so far, how do you think, let's say, since that time with the Jays in 2013, 
How do you think you've grown as a coach, and what types of things are you now better at since that point? Uh, I'm never going to stop learning in this game. There's a lot more video involved. There's a lot more slow-motion video. There's a lot more analytics. I keep continuing to grow that way. But like I said, my strengths with communication, with talking to player, figuring out which door to go in with them, what time to go in them, and kind of work their personalities to succeed. So that's never going to change. You mentioned the analytics side of this. Again, we're chatting with new race hitting coach Chad Matola. How do you use analytics as a coach to try and make sure it helps the player out? And I know we're talking in general terms here, but also doesn't really overwhelm that player with the data. That's my job. My job, there's a lot of things that I will know that I don't want them to know, and there's a lot of things that I will share. That's on a player-to-player basis. Uh, Some guys like getting a little deeper. Some guys don't. So you want to maybe put it in a little more of their words so they understand it rather than kind of the way it's given to me. So kind of sort through things and present it to them at the right time. How's the game changed over the last several years? Because I'm sure when you started playing, most clubs had just one hitting coach. And now at the big league level, you're seeing at least two hitting coaches on major league teams. Is it that helpful to have the two voices? And how do you think that has changed in terms of the game? Uh, the workload's changed for sure. A lot of guys are a little, a lot more individualized with certain drills, certain things going on with batting practice, in-game work. And that is one... Chad Matola, the Rays' new hitting coach, and we certainly wish him a lot of success in his new role with Tampa Bay. Now, that news certainly was the big story for the Rays this week, and joining us now to talk about that and more is Doug Wechter of Fox Sports Sun. Doug, thanks very much for being with us. Neilio, always good time, buddy. How you doing? Good. You know, I, I think this move caught a lot of people by surprise, but I'm kind of curious from, you know, an ex-player standpoint. It's probably not – as a player, I'm sure you had – coaching changes during the course of the season do you think that helps going into the next year to start to build that new relationship with the new guy going into the following season well i'll tell you what it did come as a surprise and i don't think it was a surprise that they got rid of Derek shelton as much as he was beloved in the area especially the team i mean you talk to anybody in the staff and front office i mean they love shelton he's a great guy uh did a lot of good things here but i think it's just you know that that course has sailed and uh, they were looking for a new voice to come in. I think the timing of it was the one thing that was surprising to everyone and that's what kind of put everybody back a little bit. Um, doing it in the middle of the season is always a little tricky. Uh, it, it, it causes um, in the clubhouse it causes a little bit of a stir, a little bit of an awkward feeling with the new pitching coach or a new hitting coach coming in. Uh, you know, you kind of have your own rhythm going in that season and the current hitting coach knows Everything about you knows what you're doing, knows how to get you ready for games. Now, all of a sudden, with one month left, you have to learn how to work with a new hitting coach and figure it out for the rest of September. Um, that being said, I mean, you just listen to Matola, the new coach coming in, and he's very, he's spot on with the way guys are now. Uh, a lot of things are individualized. Every big leaguer knows how to get themselves ready. It's just having that hitting coach back, back them and kind of understand the same things that they want to do going into the game and getting themselves prepared mentally and physically. So it can be tricky. It's a little, it's a tricky transition, but I think in the long run, it's a good move for the Rays to get it done this year. And that way, going into next year, Matola will have a good idea on what he wants to do with the guys coming in, uh, what kind of talent he has to work with, and he won't have to start from scratch. He'll be able to go into spring training with fresh ideas and uh, hit the ground running. 
That was my next question because, I mean, how much can a hitting coach or a pitching coach really learn about someone in spring training versus, let's say, watching, watching them at the end of the season when, you know, they've been through a lot, they're trying to battle their way through, and the games mean something? Well, I'll tell you what. I, I'm going to relate it a little bit to pitching because that's what I did. When you come in as a new pitcher to spring training, all the coach has to work with is typically video, and if you talk to him over the phone, that's about it. I mean, when I went to the Marlins, when I went to Kansas City, I spoke to the pitching coaches. I, I did, you know, some homework. They did some homework on me. But, you know, day one is really the first day that they see me. And until you see a guy and speak with a guy and, and talk to a guy and get to know him a little bit, you know, it's still a lot of guesswork. So to be able to go in there and learn these guys' tendencies before spring training next year is going to be huge. It's a big advantage, especially for the guys returning, obviously. You're going to have Sousa Jr., you're going to have Dickerson. Um, not so much with Longoria. I mean, Longoria, he's set in his ways, and he knows how to get himself prepared for a game and get things done. Um, I think what the Rays are looking for the new hitting coach, Matola, to do is really work with these guys like Sousa, uh, Dickerson, and see if he can get these guys on track, the younger guys who have a lot of potential but really haven't flashed it yet. So to be able to come in here with a month left, kind of see what they've been doing, and then get some new ideas going into spring training, I think it'll be a good thing for the Rays system overall and uh, for the big league club. And at the same time that this is going on, there are a lot of guys, I'm sure, who – whether it's with this club, whether it's for their future, or in essence are still auditioning for jobs for 2017. What's that like to be in a clubhouse? Because you've been through that before where you're playing, in essence, for next year. Well, <laughs> you're talking to a guy who felt like he was auditioning every time he went out to pitch, <laughs> man. I, uh, <laughs> I never felt comfortable in the big leagues. I always felt like I was one bad game away. And, you know, that, that could be a good thing and a bad thing. I think for me it worked as a uh, mentally it prepared me to where I didn't take any games off. I think I felt like I had to go out there with my best every night. And if I didn't, then I was doing an injustice to myself and my team. Um, but, you know, it, it's just a uh, it, it's a tough place. Um, some guys handle it differently. Some guys don't like that feeling. They react a lot better when they know they have a spot on, in the rotation as a pitcher or in the lineup as a hitter. Uh, they play a lot better because they're, they're at ease in the games. They're not going out there stressed out, wondering if they're going to have a job. So it really depends on the temperament of the player. And that player is, it, it, he just got to learn how to deal with the stress of the game. I mean, it's all part of the game. Uh, every year there's a June draft. There's an amateur draft for guys that the club's looking to take your spot. And they're looking for the next Cy Young every single season. So um, if you're not going out there taking care of business, then you do have to be looking over your shoulder. So uh, yeah, it is stressful. It's tough going out there, but you would hope these guys understand that it's part of the game. And, you know, they just have to elevate over that stress level and put it all out on the field and see what happens. I don't think Alex Cobb is auditioning for a job next year by any stretch, but how impressed have you been at the two starts he's made coming off Tommy John as he gets ready for next year? Uh, I'll tell you what, I watched both starts. Well, I, you know, I'm not supposed to show favoritism, but, man, I love watching this guy pitch. He is so much fun having back in this rotation next year, and you talked about the first two outings this year, far more advanced than I thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to come in here, especially, it's been well documented that he hasn't had uh, a very smooth rehab. I mean, he's had a couple hiccups in his rehab, so when he comes into an actual game-type setting in the big leagues, you're almost thinking, well, just get him out there, get him some repetitions, you know, get him back in a big league uniform, and then see what he has for spring training. Well, he went out there, and his stuff looked very, very good. 
um, his changeup. And I spoke to Alex about a week ago, right before they went on the trip, right after he got called up. And I, I spoke to him, and we talked a little bit about what it's like coming back from an injury. And, you know, I related it to myself. When I got injured with the Rays, I had to come back and pitch with the Marlins. That was my first time back in the big leagues. And we were speaking about it, and he was saying, you know, when I go out there, it's going to be like the first time being in the big leagues. I mean, you're going to have jitters. You're going to have anxieties that you haven't felt in years. And that's exactly what I saw going with the Marlins. You go out there for the first time, and it's almost like you forget what it's like to have 40,000 people watch you make a pitch. And so the mental side of it is that, that's something that people don't talk about a lot, but it, it's tough to get back uh, to get that edge back. And I think Alex is already there mentally. And physically, we spoke about his changeup. He said that he thinks his changeup is there uh, as of a week ago, but it's been hit or miss the entire rehab assignment. And that's very common. I mean, your, your off-speed pitches are always going to be the last one to come back on Tommy John. And uh, for him saying that his off-speed and his changeup specifically is back, I mean, that's a really, really good sign for uh, if you're a race fan. I would, I would definitely agree there, Doug, and I appreciate coming on the show. We'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Have a good one. That's Doug Wechter of Fox Sports Sun. When we return to this week in race baseball, we'll look at the four race affiliates that made the postseason this year. That's coming up right after this on the Race Baseball Network. Neil Solon's with you back on this week in race baseball. Let's look at the minor league side of things. Four race affiliates made the postseason this year. We'll hear from each of their managers right now. First, Princeton. They fell 2-1 in the opening round in rookie ball to the Burlington Royals. Princeton's manager is Danny Schaefer. And, Danny, first of all, what did it mean just to get there? You really had to battle to get in. Well, we did. And, and quite frankly, the last two weeks, every game was a, was a playoff game for us. And, and, and no matter how the season ends, ended up, you know we, you know we're better players because of it. These kids, you know, these kids go through um, games where every out means something, and it's just going to make them better players down the road. You ended up qualifying. You played against the Burlington Club, the Royals affiliate, that ended up in the finals. They won two out of three, but you got beat up in game one, and then found a way to win in the ninth in game two, and then lost in the ninth in game three. What did you learn about the kids from the way that they battled? After, after a tough loss in game one? Well, collectively as a group, they were not ready to go home. And, you know, we stressed from day one. And, you know, it's, there's, there's fundamentals, yes, you stress, but we stressed from, game, from day one with this group, you know, play the game hard, play for 27 outs, and, and play the game right. And uh, that is on and off the field. And so we stressed that every day. And, uh, you know, these kids, they took it hard, um, but they didn't quit. Um, and, and, you know, and that's going to help them down the road. In terms of play on the field, who are maybe some guys who excelled during the course of that playoff series for you? Well, um, obviously Sanchez uh, continues to, to impress in the outfield, and, you know, he had six straight hits at one point, uh, even in a game one loss that was lopsided. He was five for five, and uh, Cabrera was three for three in the first game and, and uh, continued to play well in the second game, and, and third game, but um, we had stellar uh, performances out of the bullpen. Uh, Sandy Brito and uh, a right-hander, uh, Remnant Ray- Ramos, is uh, is, a, is a name that not many talk about, but um, he's got one of the best makeup tools that I've ever seen from a young kid, and, and uh, you'll hear about him in the future. Well, that's good to hear, and and you've yeah, I mean that's one of three arms I know that you were high on, uh, and, and two of them coming out of the bullpen uh, in Brito and, and, and Ramos. Um, 
Jesus Sanchez, what makes him, I mean, you mentioned the six hits he had, but uh, what makes his, his, you know, him, him having the high ceiling potentially? Well, he's 18 and loves to play the game. Um, he plays hard all nine innings. Uh, he's got, you know, plus outfield tools. He throws very, very well. Um, he's still growing into his body. He's he's probably 6'3", and, and um, just long and lanky and, um, just kind of what you want to see out of a baseball player, uh, you know that that makeup tool that that can't be uh, quantified or, or 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 judged very easily in this game today. Um, once you have that makeup tool, it makes all of your tools a whole lot better. And I know it has an impact sometimes on the kids around you and the players around you too. How about Eliardo Cabrera? Yeah, uh, exciting player. Uh, he's a little bit older than Sanchez. You know, he's 20 years old and. He does everything right. There's not a tool that this kid doesn't have, and he just needs to have reps and get uh, get games under his belt. Um, he can make any play in the outfield. He's got, if not the best arm, one of the best arms in, in our system, and uh, he likes to play. Sounds like the, the Rays as an organization are finding a lot more uh, kids and having a lot more success with their program overseas. I mean, you mentioned a couple of kids there, Adrian Rondon, uh, some of the talented arms. I mean, you look at the Bowling Green Club and Manny Sanchez and Jenis Cabrera and, and some of those kids, too, that are evolving now to the full-season level. Yeah, and it's been a, been a little while coming. I've only been here four years, but this is by far uh, the, the influx of, of Latin players. This is by far the best ones that I've seen over, over the past four seasons. And, you know, and, I, and I'm not an expert on this, but I think if you look back at the uh, at the, the number of players that made it to the major leagues through our academies, uh, it's kind of slim pickings. Slim pickings, and you know, and sometimes there's there's issues that you know prevent players from becoming really good players. But um, I can't see any scenario in the near future where some of these kids aren't impact players in the big leagues. Um, just don't know how long it's going to take. Certainly, very encouraging going forward. And I know he had a tough uh, series. Um, for for you for you, but the first round pick in this year's draft, going back stateside, Joshua Lowe still had, I think, what most would consider a pretty good debut at the professional level. Well, he did, and you know he's you know deer in the headlight look because he's he's now facing kids that that uh, you know were the best on their teams uh, wherever they were playing. Um, he's being pitched as if they want to get him out now instead of what I would assume in high school is is a uh, facing teams that really don't want to pitch to him don't want to throw strikes to him and, and so he's going to have to learn to be aggressive at the plate more so than he actually is and um, ball comes off his back good you know I, I don't know where he's going to be at in the future as far as position wise uh, it's not up to me but um, you know whatever's going to be his fastest path to the big leagues uh, I'm sure you'll see that uh, come to fruition pretty soon. We appreciate a few minutes, Danny. Congratulations on a very good year, and uh, hopefully uh, more success with the kids there in the future. Hey, I appreciate it very much. Thanks for the call. And that is Princeton manager Danny Schaefer. Hudson Valley, meanwhile, staying in short season play, is now in the finals of the New York Penn League. They beat Lowell, the Red Sox affiliate, two games to none this week. Their manager is Tim Parenton. Tim, thanks for being with us. Congrats. Thanks, Mihal. Thanks a lot for having me. You get State College, the Pirates affiliate, in the finals. What does it mean just to get to the finals? Well, uh, it means a lot for our kids that, that worked hard through the whole year 
you know, been together since early. Most of the college kids got to us early, along with our extended kids. And uh, yeah, we we go against state college. It's, it's a cardinal. It's the cardinal. Cardinal rather. It now it changed, uh, but we played them real early. They were in flux like we were, just getting our players in 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 town, and also it's going to be a nice challenge. You beat the Red Sox affiliate as mentioned in Lowell. You know, most of the kids you have are, are college kids. There are some kids from extended. Does it mean anything, do you think, to the kids at this point to beat a Boston affiliate, being that the Rays are, you know, when you get to the big leagues, they're rivals in the division? Well, it, it does mean a lot. It's like uh, Mitch talks to them early in the year about it. Whenever you play that team in our division, you know, you start beating them all the way in the GCL, extended everything. You just get, make it a habit to beat them up. And that, that's the one thing we try to do, talk to our guys about it. Hey, you're going to see them when you get to the big leagues. So, you know, start beating them now. And you did. You beat them two games to none in a best of three. And both games were tightly contested. The first game that you won was an 11-inning battle. And it was one of the kids drafted this year, Jake Fraley, who hit the game-winning home run in the 11th inning. What can you say about the home run he hit and, and maybe his overall game? Because he also uh, was part of a rally in the seventh inning that tied the game, too. Right. Jake's come on strong here the last you know month and a half. He, he's been a good player from the start. But, you know, he just started figuring out, like, like I, I just heard Danny say a little bit that, you know, in college ball, the better players don't get pitched to as much. And once you get the pro ball, they, they, work, they don't worry about it. They come right at you. And, you know, Jake had to make some adjustments at the plate, and he did. And the ball he hit was a real long one down the line. Uh, you know, it, it was our dugout went crazy when he hit it because it was his first home run as a pro. And, you know, put his ahead in extra in the ball game. He's one of those kids who played – college at a big program in LSU, one that's normally in the College World Series. Do you think that helps a kid like that getting into, let's say, bigger moments, at least at the, the lower levels of the professional level? Well, there's no doubt about it. When you play you know, in front of crowds like they play in, in the SEC, the ACC every week, they play in front of eight, ten thousand 10,000 people on the weekend, you know, you get into pro ball, and it's a shock to them that sometimes, you know, there's only four or 500 people in the stand. So it's it's a different whole scenario. You, you can't compare college to pro, but, you know, the, the moment is always there for these guys, and we hope they step up when it is their time, and he did. Jake Fraley hit the game-winning homer again for you guys in that 6-5 win and 11 in game one, but at least looking at the box score, and may, you can tell me otherwise, it sounds like your bullpen was a big part of the story in that game. Our, our bullpen's been good the entire year, knock on wood. They, they've been you know, our starters have taken the ball every time they've gone out there and got to the fourth or fifth, and then our bullpen just puts it together. You know, we piece it, piecemeal it two to three innings each. We, you know, they're college guys, most of them, and they, they're hitting their inning limits right now, so we, we just got to watch what we do. But our bullpen's been good from the start to the finish. And then game two, you won a 5-3 game, and you got to face a guy who at some point was considered potentially the top pick in the draft in Jason Groom. And I think probably what was most impressive is that Gary Whitley, the first-round pick of the Rays last year, got the first run, only run against him before he departed early uh, with a home run off him. Well, yeah, he, he was, Jason was very good that night. And our guys, you know, we put the ball in play. We hit some balls on the nose early. But then, you know, he found his groove. And Garrett just goes up there and, he, you know, he left the ball up and over the plate. And Garrett hit it about 420. You know, left center hit it real good and get it on the board. And then in the uh, sixth inning, that's when you were able to come up with a winning rally. They had just scored two to go ahead. You came back with four in the bottom, and it was uh, Nathan Lowe, um, who has been a big part of your team this year, your RBI leader, who came up with a homer to cap the rally. 
Right. That was a big inning for us. Jake Fraley leads it off, and then he steals second. They, they bobble the ball. He gets the third. And we get a couple of hits right in there. And uh, Nate hits one dead center out of the ballpark to put us up for good. And that, that was, a, I mean, it was a very good swing. And then our pitching staff came in, and defense held, his on, held on for us. You won in two games in a best of three, and you open the championship series uh, a best of three tomorrow. Does it help at all from uh, setting up your pitching staff to give your guys a couple days, and how do you use the, the two days before getting back into playoffs? Well, that, that's the funny part about it. Two days off during the year doesn't usually come, and, and yesterday we gave them off. Today we went out and worked out. We took BP, you know, had an infield outfield just to try and get them back on the field and get going. It does help the pitching a little bit. It gives them an extra day to get their stuff back in order uh but it's hard to it's hard to sit a couple sit around and wait and that's one thing our guys were anxious today and it was good to see that they were, had good spirits out on the field jumping around and getting ready to go tomorrow does it help i mean you didn't even know who you were playing until last night because they, they had to play state college in staten island the yankees affiliate played the last game of that series um that you get to play at least the first game of the series at home or does it does it matter well it it it, it does if Staten Island would have won, we'd have had home field advantage. We'd have went on the road for the first one. You always want to win it at home. So, you know, we were percentage points behind State College for the best record in the league, and they, they have home field advantage. So they come up, they come down here tomorrow and play, and then as soon as the game's over, we'll both get on buses and head back up there for the next day. You know, our guys have been good at home and on the road. They, they've handled the, the schedule well. So we hope we had a good time up there earlier in the year. We played well there, so we hope we can get up there again and do it. Well, we wish you best of luck again in the upcoming series, the finals against uh, State College, and hopefully next week we're talking to you about a, a championship in the New York Penn League. I hope so too, Neil. Our guys are going to give it their best. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Again, uh, that was Tim Parenton. He's the manager of the Hudson Valley Renegades. They've moved on to the finals in the New York Penn League. Right now, let's pause for station identification on the Rays Baseball Network. This is Tampa Bay Sports Radio. To the wall! Gone! 620 WDAE St. Petersburg and 95.3 FM, home of the Rays. Neil Solon's with you on This Week in Rays Baseball. Uh, you just heard from Hudson Valley's manager, Tim Parenton, and their first team right now in the Rays organization to move on to the finals in their postseason bid. Uh, Bowling Green is in the playoffs, and their manager is Ronaldo Ruiz. Ronaldo, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for having me. You guys won a thriller yesterday. You staved off elimination. For people who don't know, the Midwest League actually has three rounds of playoffs, and you got the first win in Bowling Green history in the postseason, and now you're 1-1 with Great Lakes. What did you learn about your ball club? You came back from one game down and 6-2 to two after three innings last night to win. Yeah, that was unbelievable. That was a great game last night. Uh, uh, we came back, like you said, and uh, we were down to do in the, uh, in the third inning, and we were able to come back and win the game. So that was that was huge for us, huge for the franchise. Uh, and we, uh, you know, now we got the energy, we got the momentum going. Hopefully, we can uh, we can go and uh, and do the same thing today. What can you learn about your kids in playoff games that maybe you can't or, or that you don't in the regular season? I know it's a little bit of a different environment. Well, it's uh, uh, a little different because uh, uh, you know it's a uh, it's a three game series and, and you have to win. You know you have to win uh, to 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 move on to the next uh, round. But uh, uh, I think one of the things that we learn about ourselves is uh, we just gotta keep playing uh, the way we uh, play in the, in, in the regular season, not uh, 
trying to do too much just uh, make the regular you know the, the routine plays and, and and play hard you know and and and, and trying to uh, you know be relaxed and play our game who in your mind were some of the heroes in last night's uh, 8-6 comeback win oh definitely it was a um um Joel Espinal he he did a really good job he uh stopped the bleeding in the uh, in the fourth inning uh, he came in and and, and gave us a Five shutout innings, and, and 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 that was the the difference of the game because uh, he gave us a chance to uh, to come back. And then uh, I think Brett Sullivan, he was you know having good at bats, and also base running was really good last night, and that was part of our our, our comeback last night. Tell us a little bit about Yoel Espinal because he's not someone we've talked about during the course of the year. It looks like he's put up pretty decent numbers during the regular season too. No, he's yeah, he's been doing a really good job uh, for us. He's a kid that came from a, a, a different organization and from uh, for the Yankees, and 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 he's uh, kind of under under you know estimated because uh, but he's a kid that throws 97, 98. He got a good slider. He had some issues with his control early in the season, but then you know he uh, made the adjustment and he was really really good in the second half, and and he's a uh, part of a big part of our. Uh, you know, success with the pitch in the second half. And you mentioned Brett Sullivan. I mean, he was your the top RBI guy among Rays minor leaguers this year. What's made him so solid and consistent? You know, I always think of a kid who's learning how to catch. You wonder physically if he's going to wear down. It sounds like offensively he's been good all year long. He's, yeah, he's been consistent all year long. He's one of those kids that uh, he didn't change his approach. He keep the same approach, and he just some you know, take advantage of uh, pitch mistakes. And uh, and then with runners going position, he does a really good job. He just, you know, concentrates, doesn't try to do too much. He just, you know, trying to, uh, uh, um, you know, put the ball in play. And, and it's been uh, uh, really, you know, uh, it's working for him. So uh, hopefully we can, uh, he can continue seeing the ball the same way. And, and I know that, um, you know, behind the play, uh, he's catching, still a work in progress. But uh, the good thing is it's a kid that, uh, likes to work and, and, and he is very coachable and I know he's going to be able to uh, uh, be a decent catcher in the future. You have the deciding game tonight of that series. Uh, Blake Bivens is listed as your starter. What can you tell us about him? Well, it's, uh, he's been pitching really well. Uh, again, second half, much better than the first half and, and he's uh, had done a really good job for us and and uh, he learned a lot from, uh, from his mistakes early in the season and now he's pitching much better uh, he's uh, breaking pitches. Uh, uh, he's throwing more for a strike. He can. He, he has an, a nice uh, a, a fastball. He throws 93, 92, but he can locate all his pitches. Uh, that's the big difference. And uh, hopefully, he can uh, continue doing that and, and give us a chance to win tonight. You know, there's one guy who has not been with you during the course of this uh, this playoff, and I know he went on the DL at the end of the season. Uh, Tell us a little bit about Michael Russell, what he meant to your club, and I know you did get Jake Cronenworth back to kind of help fill the void in the in the postseason here. Well, uh, uh, Michael Russell is uh, he's, uh, he, he was a huge. Uh, um, he was to me. He's one of the best uh, uh, players we had in this in this team, and he you know a lot of energy every all year long. He played multiple positions. He was, you know, he was a leader in the clubhouse. He did a really good job at shortstop one uh, when uh, Cronenworth got the promotion. And part of our our big uh, 
come back in the second half was because yeah, he did it, uh, a really good job, played with a lot of energy, and, and, and he did an outstanding job in shortstop. And how about Jake? I guess, I mean, you, he gave you a great first half. How has he kind of helped fill that, that loss? Well, Jake, uh, Jake's, you know, has done a really good job uh, uh, all year long. He's uh, coming from a, a poor child team. He learned a lot there, and, and he's been helping us since he got here. He, I mean, the first half he had an unbelievable season. I mean, first half, and then when he came back, he started helping us right away. He uh, he had a walk-off single and making good plays at shortstop. So it's, it's good to have him back. Well, good luck tonight. Hopefully next week we're talking about you advancing further in the Midwest League playoffs. Good luck this evening. We appreciate a few minutes. Thank you. Thank you, Nathan, for having me. Okay, that's Ronaldo Ruiz, again, the manager of Bowling Green. We've touched base with three of the four Rays affiliates that are in the postseason this year. Last but certainly not least, the highest level that's in the playoffs right now is AA. They're, that's Montgomery, and their manager is one Brady Williams. Brady, thanks very much for coming on. Neil, how you doing? Good. Nice win last night. You guys were down uh, 2-0 in a best of five to Jackson, the Mariners affiliate, and came back to win in the bottom of the ninth yesterday. Tell us what that win was like and what it meant to the kids. Yeah, it just seemed kind of fitting just how our season's been. We just, uh, I think we're leading or close to leading all the baseball walk-off wins, so I guess there's no other way to keep our season alive is to have a nice walk-off win and celebrate a little bit last night, and hopefully these guys can relax and come out today and play with a little more, uh, I don't know, just go out front and play the game, and whatever happens, happens. Just to make it to the playoffs, I mean, you guys really had to battle right to the final uh, couple days of the season. What did that mean overall? Yeah, it was tough. I mean, we had, uh, especially beginning of August, we we actually got swept by, by Jackson. So we were kind of, I don't want to say we're in the hole. We were six, seven games out of first and kind of looking for the wild card because we were fighting with Chattanooga um, and we got hot. So I think we won 12 out of 14. Jackson had kind of gone on a losing streak and, all the way to the end, we actually clinched with two games to go at home. Um, it's been a grind all season, but these guys have uh, stepped up to the challenge. You know, a lot of these guys won a championship last year, um, and it was, I don't want to say it was easy for them, but they didn't really have to fight as hard as they had to fight this year, and they, they, they came together as a team uh, with about three weeks to go and kind of wrote it out. Obviously, losing two games in the, in the first two games of the playoffs wasn't how we wanted to start it, but the best of five, and we got a game tonight. And hopefully an opportunity, even that series, and, and again, you're playing at home, which I imagine doesn't hurt. I mean, the story in this series, to me, at least looking at the box scores, has been the outstanding starting pitching you've received. Chi-Wei Hu was, what, seven and two-thirds scoreless. Brent Honeywell went seven, uh, game two. And then last night, Chris Kirsch went seven and a third. What can you tell me about the starting pitching you've gotten in this series to this point? Yeah, you're right. I mean, if you're a fan of, of pitching duels, then this has probably been the series that you'd want to watch. I mean, it's Every pitch matters on the edge of your seat. Um, you know, momentum has played a big part in the series. Hopefully we, we gained some last night. Uh, like you said, Chiwei, who was outstanding, he's pitched like that all year. Um, Chris Kirsch stepped up to the plate last night. Obviously, we needed him to pitch a, a big game for us to keep us going. And then Brett Honeywell, uh, game two. I mean, really, his only two blemishes were, were two solo homers um, in that game. Obviously, it was a difference, but he, uh, he competed well and, uh, when when you're pitching in games that matter and you see these guys step up like that, it's what you want to see. And it's uh, uh, another right guy in the mount tonight with Hunter Wood, who, who's pitched outstanding all season. 
uh, ultimate competitor. I think he's up for the challenge and looking forward to watching him pitch tonight. The three kids that started the first three games, can you kind of break down their seasons a little bit and, and what you've learned about each of them? Uh, Chi Wei Hu is, um, he won the ERA title here in the, in the league. Uh, obviously pitching the Futures game. So there's a lot of um, uh, numbers and stuff that are, are, uh, are great and all, but he, he brings a serious competitive edge to him. He, he just, he doesn't like giving up runs. I mean, I know it's, it's what pitchers don't want to do, but he really doesn't like it. And he pitches that way. Um, he wants to pitch deep in the game. You know, the one thing with him is I'd like to see him um, get a little better breaking ball. I think his, his change-up fastball uh, is, is above average. He just got to get that, that breaking ball to, uh, to solidify his three-pitch arsenal. Uh, Brett Honeywell um, coming up here from Port Charlotte. Obviously, he's our number two rated prospect, and it's well-deserving because he does have big-time stuff, but he's also a student of the game. Um, he brings um, the right mindset every day. He's a pitcher that is a position player's mindset. He wants to be a part of something every day, and he wants to learn. Uh, for a young kid to be like that, it's fun to watch and fun to be around because he brings the best out of people around him. He's just got to continue, uh, obviously, with his off-speed as well. I mean, his fastball command's outstanding. Um, he's still got to work on that put-away breaking ball uh, to get to, I don't want to say the next level, but to, to be a supreme pitcher in the big leagues. And Chris Kirsch, I know he's probably a little unheralded compared to the other two. Yeah, I mean, he's put together an awesome season. I mean, coming from last year to this year, you know, the biggest adjustment or the, the biggest thing that I've seen him is uh, his demeanor on the mound. You know, he's really controlled his emotions. Not that he was a fiery guy, but he just let little things affect him on the mound at certain times, whether it was the umpire, whether it was the mound, whether it was certain play in the game, and he's really controlled that. He's controlled what he can control, and that's going on uh, out there and competing and pitching. Uh, like last night, we, there was an inning where we, there was a couple plays that could have been made that weren't, um, and last year he would have given up a couple, three or four runs. Last night he gave up one in the playoffs, um, which tells me that he's kind of gotten over that hump. But he had tremendous stuff last night. His breaking ball was probably the best I'd seen it all season. Change-up fastball command. Um both sides of the plate, you know, for a left-handed pitcher that throws 92, 93 that can, ha- can command those other pitches, um, there's obviously a lot of like, lots of like in the future for him. And the guy who got the game-winning hit last night was his battery mate yesterday. Uh, Jake DePew probably doesn't get a whole lot of headlines with some of the talent that you guys have position player-wise, but what did it mean to you to see him get that game-winning hit? Yeah, I mean, he's this is my fourth year with him, so it's it's fun to watch him kind of grow as a hitter you know he's he's battled that uh for most of his career he's just never really put together a season where he could say you know i've i've contributed offensively and he's done that this year and most home runs he's hit was you know i think two or three he's got nine this year 40 plus rbis the average is what it is what it is but he's, he brings a lot to the table as far as the, the, the game calling and he's a student of the game and he pays attention to it and he wants to put down the right numbers and so his his uh relationship with his pitchers is the most important. He's done a tremendous job all season, and just great to see him come up with a big hit for us last night. And I know that um, Justin O'Connor, who's going to go to the Fall League, just recently came back. How's he looked as he tries to get back on track after a neck injury kind of derailed his season? Yeah, I think I mean, I think his, uh, the skill set's still there. I think, obviously, the rust you know, from not playing is, is going to be there. Um you know, he just needs to he just needs to continue to play. You know, it's tough for him to be put in a situation where 
I don't say tough, but you're, you're playing a lot of things on the line. You're, you're playing for a championship. Uh, you really haven't been up to speed uh, with the game all season. He's fought his, his injury all season. Awesome to see him back. Glad he's healthy. Um, but the skill set's still there. I just think he he need, he just continues to to, play, to need to play some uh, get some more reps under him. We appreciate a few minutes. Hopefully, there's a few more reps for him and for this team uh, in the playoffs in the Southern League. Good luck tonight, and uh, best of luck in trying to win that series and forcing a deciding game tomorrow. Yeah, appreciate it, Neil. Thanks. That's Brady Williams, again, manager of the Montgomery Biscuits, joining us on this week in race baseball. When we continue, we'll visit with two September call-ups coming up right after this on the Race Baseball Network. Welcome back to this week in race baseball. I'm Neil Solons. Probably one of the most interesting September call-ups after Durham's season ended was Justin Marks. He's 28, and before last night, the lefty had pitched just one game in the majors, and that was with Kansas City two seasons ago. So this week I asked Justin how surprised he was to get the call. Yeah, I was really surprised. You know, this is something that every player thinks about. It's always on their mind. Um, and I know leading up to September, um, I just wanted to focus on the game at hand. I wanted to get through. I wanted to finish strong. I didn't want to let my mind kind of drift to, um, you know, what the Rays were thinking about me. Um, so when they, you know, they called me in the office and told me it was, it was, it was really exciting. Your story is such a compelling one. You had one call up or one major league game you had pitched in. You're 28 years of age. Did you think this chance was going to come for you? You know, I wouldn't have played this year if I didn't think it was going to. You know, I don't think anybody goes into baseball saying I'm going to play to be a minor leaguer. Um, you know, it was a tough call this past year on what we were going to do. Um, but I knew I still had something left in me, and I really wanted to see um, what the Rays could do. And, you know, and being in AAA this year with Kyle Snyder and, and the way that they've developed me, and, you know, my hat's off to them. You know, we've really come a long way, and my stuff's really, you know, reached a new level that it hasn't been at before. So what changed? What what has gotten better? How have they developed you? Um, my fastball's gotten better. I wouldn't say velocity-wise, but the way that I attack hitters, my approach on hitters, um, the sequences I throw, the way that I approach uh, my stuff in general, um, it's, it's a lot different mentality than it used to be three years ago. And um, I think carrying that into this year and really learning their system um, and seeing how it played out and seeing how I was successful with it really uh, just you know gave me that boost that I needed. The nine-inning no-hitter you threw at Syracuse certainly doesn't give you a call-up, but did it change anything about your year, do you think? It might have led to this eventually. I don't know if it does or not. I know, a lot, I know people not familiar with baseball may think that. They may think, oh, you get through a no-hitter, you get called, but that's not really how things work. And, you know, I think for me it helped. It was just like a confidence thing. And I think for the team around me and, and kind of having that attention and being like, you know, that was a really cool thing to do, and um, I think I built off of that. So, yeah, it did help. And that's what I meant. For more, for more so from a confidence standpoint. Yeah, confidence standpoint, definitely. You know what? You know how I was able to kind of carry on after that, and um, I think I had a couple rough outings after that. But for the most part, I strung together a pretty solid second half, and I know it was, uh, you know, definitely the no hitter helped. From a family standpoint, what does a call up like this mean? I mean, you're you're married with two kids. You're getting your second ever call up. It means a lot, you know. Um, this is a sacrifice that your family makes. You know, I don't think a lot of people realize that, that what you go through um, to make the sacrifice and what my wife has made um, to do this with us and the kids and stuff. And, you know, it's fun and uh, we enjoy it, but it can be a grind, especially when you're in the minor leagues. And then when you get this opportunity, um, it just makes it worthwhile. And it sounds like the family is going to enjoy it with you a little bit. They're definitely going to be here. You know, I wouldn't do it without them. We're going to make it happen. I know uh, my son just started kindergarten, but um, he's going to have to um, miss a few days and come out here and then check some games out. What will it mean for him, not now, but maybe in the future, to know what Daddy accomplished? 
I think it'll mean a lot to him because, you know, he's he's been on this journey with us. He's six years old, so he spent this, you know, his entire life doing this. And to see it um, all transform into, you know, um, I guess, you know, me going to the big leagues like this, I think later on he'll, he'll appreciate, appreciate it a little bit more. From the Rays standpoint, the fact that they did call you up, how much more does it mean in terms of the context that they had to add you to the roster? Yeah, like I was saying earlier, I just felt like um, for them to do that at this point, you know, it wasn't a mid-season call-up to where they just called me up and they needed an extra arm. You know, they really, um, I think they, um, you know, they valued what I did this year. And they said, you know, we want to see more of him, and uh, that excites me. And, you know, that shows that, they, you know, they're interested, and, um, you know, I'm just excited to be up here. Does it almost revitalize a player at your stage of your life? Yeah, I think so. I really, you know, it does in a certain uh, certain sense, you know, um, I guess, you know, I've become so accustomed to the, you know, minor leagues over the past few years and uh, to get to this point. And, you know, even though I was there before, but very briefly, it uh, definitely gives you a second wind. And you're going to get a chance to play a lot of contenders here the month of September. So how do you approach the month and what do you hope to accomplish? It's the same as I have before. I don't want to change anything. I don't want, I don't want to do anything different. I just want to go out there and um, let my stuff play and see what happens. Best of luck. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, that's Rays lefty Justin Marks. We wish him a successful September. He did throw three scoreless last night. Ryan Gardens' September call-up, that's a local product, and made his major league debut this year, and I asked him how he feels health-wise in his first September. Uh, I feel great. Um, I've always I've always experienced, you know, usually my best kind of stuff towards the end of uh, the seasons, and, you know, my stuff uh, usually plays better in, you know, in, in the, the later months of August and early September, so... You know, I feel great. I feel great. How much, though, are you curious just to see over the course of a full month how your stuff plays and maybe how it leads to how you condition and prepare for next year? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's been my first full month of September, and you know, I'm, ex- I mean, I'm more than thrilled and excited to be here. Uh, so it's gonna be it's gonna be cool to see how my body holds up. And uh, right now, I mean, it's holding up great. You know, I've put a lot of a lot of time and an effort into the things that I do to make sure that my body does feel good and healthy. So right now I feel great and I'm excited to see, you know, how my body's going to cooperate for the next month. You've obviously gotten a couple opportunities up and down prior to now, you know that you're going to be here for the entire month. Does that allow you to relax? Does that ever enter your mind when you're pitching to this point at the major league level about, you know, how long am I going to be here? What's the situation now? You know, you're here for the month. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, a little bit of a weight off your shoulders. You know, the first times I got called up, uh, you know, people were got hurt. So, you know, I was expected to, you know, come down at some certain point whenever they got healthy and, you know, the roster spots needed to be being moved. Uh, being up here for a full month, you know, it lets you uh, settle in a little bit, you know, get a little bit more, uh, you know, a little bit more of a feel to where I can just focus on, you know, baseball, what you should do every time. But it's it's tough when it's, you know, my first time up here in the big leagues to, to not think about, you know, oh, my God, I'm going to get sent down after one bad outing or whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, having that, that kind of lifted off my shoulders, I can just come here, you know, feel good about, you know, how I feel and just do all my work on, you know, on the mound and hopefully everything works out. To this point, what have you learned about yourself pitching at the major league level? Uh, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot, um, you know, not just from me and my experiences, but from what, you know, Hickey and Stan have been tell, telling me, you know, after games, before games and how my how my stuff works, you know, with, uh, you know, the pitch FX and everything and what I should focus on. And, you know, they've helped me out a tremendous amount. And, you know, I'm very confident right now how my game is. 
and that's a you know that's that's a sign from them from telling me you know this is what I got to do and when I do those certain kind of things and and only good's coming out of it you know it makes me feel good so uh, you know I, I've just learned to you know adapt to you know how I should be able to play don't don't use anybody else's game you know lose, use my game and you know just you know attack hitters I think I I kind of got away from you know getting uh, first pitch strikes down I think that was my downfall. Uh, when I was up here before, but uh, you know, just attack hitters and and just you know, have the confidence behind that I know that my stuff can play up here. You're also going to face a lot of contenders during the course of this month of September. Obviously, the goal is to be that contender next year. But do you think it will help to give you know, to have the chance to pitch in environments, let's say, on the road during this month where teams are in contention in hostile places? Definitely. I mean, the experience is that's that's only going to make you better. Uh, that's how I, I've, you know, I've come to, you know, see things and, you know, getting those experiences is just going to, you know, make me be in that spot before. So maybe next year, whenever that happens, I'm already, I'm already there. I've already had that experience. There's no nervous feelings. Um, yeah. And like you said, you know, the teams that we're playing all this, this bit, pretty much this whole month are all big, you know, big swingers. They all have you know, a lot of really, really good talent and they're all fighting for a spot. So we're, you know, we're basically the spoilers. This, you know this month for those teams and it's you know it's it's a big deal to come in and being able to you know show what I can do against these teams that are competing for a for a playoff spot whereas you know maybe my I'm you know competing for hopefully you know another shot at a job next year and that's Ryan Garten we thank him and all the guests on our show today as well as our producer on the program Trey Downey